A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, do you want to make some money making picks on MLB games? Then all you have to do is head over to Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. And Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. You pick two to five players, you get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with my promo code, PULLHITTER, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with PULLHITTER at the promo code and get your first deposit doubled up to 100 bucks. Alrighty, y'all. It's Robbie D, the PULLHITTER. Welcome to another episode of the PULLHITTER podcast. Thank you for the support for the beginning of the show to now to everything. Really grateful for every listener, everyone who provided feedback, everyone who's left a rating and review, everyone who's part of the Meatball Mafia and the Patreon. Really appreciate everything. And uh, thanks for taking a ride with me. And this episode is a nice little guest episode with Greg Martin. Greg won the NFBC Online Auction Championship, otherwise known as the OLAC, last season. And he has himself placed in the top 10 in the main event overall right now. And the young competitor in the NFBC forums and good to pick his brain, get his side of how he likes to approach drafting players, in-season management, all that fun stuff that we like to get into on this Pull Hitter podcast. And once again, um, a reminder, if you haven't checked out the Pull Hitter Patreon yet, come check it out. I know the season's coming down to an end, but we got you down the stretch. If you want to come and join the party, Discord is rocking and will lead you to fantasy success for the rest of the season and next as well. Uh, I'm not going to be stopping this whole offseason. I'm going to be breaking down a batter and a pitcher every single day in the offseason, podcasting about it writing an article about it, as well as doing organizational depth charts, breakdowns, looking at you know targets for deep shots for draft champions, everything. It's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the offseason. So if you're into drafting in the offseason and um, you're looking for some good content, I'm going to provide it there for you. So come check it out. And free, free trial right now for a week if you want to sign up for the lowest five bucks tier. So enjoy this episode with Greg. Thanks. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pull Here to Podcast, your destination for actionable fantasy resources. My special guest tonight is Mr. Greg Martin. He is the winner of the 2022 NFBC 
Online Auction Championship, otherwise known as the OLAX. And he's currently in the running to take down the main event overall. And he sits down with me, Hanai, I think this might be your first podcast. Is that true, Greg? Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Thanks, man. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. Um, I've been, uh, I think we've been talking recently. I've been trying to get you on. You, you had a very busy um, last couple of weeks, and so did I. So we're here now, and it's cool because I like, you know, I like rummaging through the standings and and the historical stuff, trying to find people that haven't been heard yet and just have been doing well in the NFBC. And you obviously have been um, doing pretty well. And so I'd like to get into that and all that fun stuff, you know, just how did you get here? How did you get to this fantasy baseball, um, playing? Did you like play baseball when you grew up or how'd you get into this? Sure. So, um, yeah, I played baseball up until I was in high school, uh, and then didn't play in high school, but kind of wish I did. Um, I was a big football and basketball guy and then just kind of didn't have time for it. But, um, when I was in college, um, one of the guys in my fraternity was like, hey, you should join a baseball, fantasy baseball league. I played one other time when I was like 12 and just did it for one year. Um, I was playing head-to-head categories on Yahoo. Um, and basically what happened was three or four years in, won the league every year. And it was like, I need to start doing something else. <laughs> um, and in that, <laughs> and in that third or fourth year, it was basically, I was starting to listen to podcasts, right? Like Rotowire, for example, and Fangraphs. Um, I think like Derek Van Riper and Todd Zola would do their podcast. And I think they were the main, in the main event at that time talking about fab. I was like, I can do this. Um, <laughs> so, so I graduated college or I started making some money and, and started playing on the NFBC. Um, and it's kind of just grew, uh, kind of evolved from that point. That's cool, man. Yeah. And, you know, good for you for like um, wanting a new challenge. Um, Cause I know so many people uh, like my friends and that, that are good. And I try to get them in all the time. And some of them have dove in, but you know, others haven't, they're just comfortable winning the home league, which is fine. There's nothing wrong. You want to, you know, you can win that every year and you, you can go, you know, you can go to an all-inclusive for a couple of days or three days and still have a good, you know, definitely a good time. But it's, you know, I did the same thing. I was like, I, I'm time for it's time for a new challenge, and this is what I read and and all heard about was was the way. So um, yeah, so you got involved in 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 20, 2018, and you started off with some like AL only, NL only auctions. I see you did that in back to back years. Did a NL auction in twenty eighteen, AL auction. In 2019, a couple of Rotowire OCs. Um, what, what, what made you get into the only thing? Is that is that something you want to do, or was it just available and you did it? Um, I think what kind of happened was I would listen to these podcasts, and you have like the labor drafts, right? Where it's mm -hmm. these auctions for NL and AL only, right? And I'm playing in this 12 team head to head league where where the waiver wire is like filled with all these players I know about, but no one needs them. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, I want to go to the deepest level possible um, to kind of understand the player pool right? and kind of understand fantasy baseball from that angle. Um, so I think that's what kind of why I started there. And I like the whole auction format as well. Um, but then kind of grew out of that phase because it's not very popular in the NFBC and, and started moving towards these, these overall contests where I was kind of attracted to the prize pools. That's a very 
interesting line of thought. That's great. That's a great way of thinking about it. I don't, I haven't heard anyone said that out loud that going to a format actually just helps you really go deep into the player pool. Like, you know, it's, um, that's a nice little strategy right there. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. it got to a point where it was like too deep, right? It's like <laughs> anybody with a pulse was available. <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah. so anyone with a pulse would like attract fab so i was like all right i think the 15 team format would be good for me because it's like yeah if you're getting playing time that's valuable but at least you can go a level deeper look at the skills and, and try to evaluate if that player is worth it on a 15 team roster yeah that's yeah that's definitely true that sometimes um you know i i i've just thought I've thought about just breaking it down and just, just seeing what's available now on the wires. And sometimes like, man, imagine if this was only one league, it would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be insane. You'd yeah. have like a half your team would be platooned, I guess at this point. Cause um, that's what like we're having to do these days is pick the best platoon available to fill out the last couple of spots. Um, so yeah. So, so you didn't get off to like guns a blazing kind of, you know, first couple of years, but then you started picking up, Steam, you want the um in the short season, you want the the um main event, the sprint sprint main event. And then um again last year you you went right into oh 2021, you were in the mix for the main event overall. And I like to talk about that a little bit. But so like how how did you just start to get better? Is it just because you started understanding the site a little better and understanding like what it need, you know, to take to, you know, be be successful or be at least competitive? Yeah, so um, like 2018, 2019, I, I was just playing like in smaller stakes leagues, doing fine. Uh, and then 2020 happened with the shorted season. I didn't have really anything to work on, right? Two years working, had money. I was like, you know, I'll just throw it in a main event. Right? That's what I want to do. Ended up having success. Um, and then 2021, right, joined another main event. And kind of everything just like clicked. Um, I was all over Vlad. So I had, that was the Vlad season. Drafted mm -hmm. Austin Riley uh, as a corner infielder in like the 16th round or something, right? And was at the top of the overall standings at the All-Star break. So I kind of got that rush of, okay, I may be pretty good at this, right? Let's, let's keep it going. I ended up, I think I was like, I have it up here, but I was top, I was 15th overall. Ended up yep. not winning the league. Um, I know you came second in the league. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I think it was the Alan Mitchell. If he's listening, congratulations, dude, but I hate your guts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's good too. Alan Mitchell's good. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's brutal. Like 15th overall and not win the league. It's like, yeah, I mean, a, nothing, nothing will top uh, Bob last year, winning the overall and not winning the league. You know, that's something that'll <laughs> never happen again, but that, yeah, that's, that's that tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but that's tough because top 15 is great and not not you know not getting that league title kind of stinks but yeah. like what what happened down the stretch do you remember I, I don't i don't really know i, I think i just kind of i remember you were yeah, struggling kinda, with getting wins right didn't you have like a good yeah, staff that, that, that like didn't get huge, wins yeah that was a huge thing like I, yeah. I had i took corbin burns i think in the fourth round had like Freddie Peralta, Sandy Alcantara in his, his first big season. Like my staff was Rodon, right? Rodon was like a 28th round pick um, and just didn't have the wins. I was I was towards the top of the top in ERA and whip. Yep. My innings were up there as well. I just didn't have the win. I, I think it was kind of an unlucky factor. 
I think I was also lacking a little bit in steals and tried to go for it with steals at the end, but just wasn't enough. Um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to think back on those times to help me with the overall run this year. Um, it really is all about that category balance at the start, and then when you get towards the end and you know you're in contention, trying to balance it that way. Um, I look at my team at the top now, and it's like, should I have more steals, guys, or do I trust the Julios and Bryson Stotts of the world, right, to kind of get me there? But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a blur of what happened back then. It, it, it really was a team of dynasty. I just kind of wish I executed it a little better. Yeah, it's nuts because I, I'm looking at the standings um, in the overall, and you had 70 wins, and no one in front of you had – less than 87 <laughs> and, exactly and you had just as good or even better of eras and strikeouts too that's nuts yeah. man that's like uh 1500 okay. strikeouts yeah that would bother that would drive me nuts <laughs> and that is that something you maybe you thought about a little extra and maybe drafting pitchers from better teams or did you, you just thought that season was a little bit fluky i just i just think it's a little bit fluky i mean yeah, um of course I, I'm, I'm, so I do some Python development, like with my work now, like I'm a, I'm a big analytical guy. Um, and I've tried to do some work on wins to try to predict it. And you really can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So it's a combination of obviously how good the offense is, bullpen, et cetera. But bottom line, it, it comes down to whether it just happens, right. Get mm -hmm. the guy that's going to go seven innings, two, three earned runs and hope the win goes your way. Um, and that's the way I've kind of rationalized it these past two years after thinking about that team. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just how I think about it. Yeah, that's smart because I think if you go too far into the you know draft guys from winning teams thing, that you can you can also end up with the same result. Like you said, it you can really have everything go right in a game, but it's baseball and. <laughs> At the last minute, so many things can go wrong. You know, Kyle Schwarber can make a terrible play in left field, which he tends to do. And it's like, Zach Wheel is so exactly. frustrating for that reason because he drives me nuts. That his defense yeah. is so bad. <laughs> part, of, part of me does take that into account. Like, I, I have no Logan Webb, for example, because I knew the Giants' defense was going to be bad. I have no Nola or Wheeler. So some of that I do keep in the back of my mind when I'm drafting, right. kind of use it as a tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it's really skills over everything. I want the strikeouts, right? And and that's kind of the way I approach things. That's cool. So let's let's talk about your um, auction overall win last year. Um, what did you learn from maybe um, you know in that main event that you took into closing this out? And like, what lens did you go to? Like, what were you looking at? Um, I already know from the, what we've talked about, you know, you seem to know the rosters of other main event owners around you now. So was that something you were doing last year? Yeah. So it's just a completely different contest in the main event. Um, one thing about the main event is the drafts happen in like this three week time frame, right? So draft values don't really change. Um, Obviously, plus it's an auction event, so it's, it's obviously a different draft strategy. Um, so I, I think I did three during that year, three or four, um, drafted at different times. And I kind of just bought dips during that time I was drafting. Um, so, for example, Rodon had an injury concern like normal during that time, right, and just kind of bought the dip. Um, so I kind of just based my team off of 
one true ace, which was Sandy, um, got him like in the mid twenties, and then just kind of picked off that like ten to twelve dollar range. So you Darvish, Rodon, I think Gallon had an injury thing at the time as well, got him for pretty cheap as well. Um, so kind of just use the strategy of buying a dip on some starting pitchers that I like the skills on, right, and and kind of had that injury risk, right, basing that with the ace pitcher. And just kind of building from there, right? And then being able to allocate the rest of my money towards towards hitting. That's cool. I like that little strategy. Um, you know, there's there's several people I wrote about, especially home guys at Baseball HQ. It's kind of that regression drafting, just just even looking at players just by ADP alone, and, and never mind skills. But if someone was going 75 one year and 200 the next year, like usually there's something to be had there, like some kind of value that you can take from that. And that's pretty cool. And the auctions are a total different beast too. Um, and yeah, obviously the OLACs are uh, way different because they have such a, a, a long time that they're drafting. And it's, it's kind of like the online championships in those ways where you can like take shots at, at, with like a rookie, you know, like I, I remember last year with J-Rod, I took him in my first online championship in like the 28th round. And it was just, great because that was before spring training and, and I was just like let me just give it a shot because that's just a that's the spot you're going to turn anyway you know so yeah. um yeah in 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 those contests where you're drafting for literally months you, you need if you're going to do it I personally feel you need to make sure that you have three four or five entries and draft at different points of time right Absolutely. people sometimes think of it like you need to have different draft spots it's really more about the times that you draft um, cause values are always changing. And I mean, I play a little bit fantasy, uh, fantasy football, but not huge. Like I'm into baseball and it's just, if you look at like underdog contests and stuff, like the people that are taking down these contests are putting in entries at different times, buying dips when they happen, buying highs when they happen. Right. It's, it, it's, 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 it comes more into that game theory or that contest theory, right. Of, of drafting at these different points in time. I think that's a big thing. If I if I was a new joiner in 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 NFBC, like I wouldn't be joining one or two main events and drafting at the end. I, I don't think that's a winning strategy. I like that. That's I think you're 100 percent right. It's one of the reasons why I love the early draft champions too, because um, when everyone starts talking in February, March about guys I like in November, you know those prices go up, and, <laughs> and, and exactly, I, exactly. I want to get them early. And then and then like you said, then you do that 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 draft champions in that time of the year and maybe these guys you had heavily invested maybe you still take them or maybe you just you know pivot to other builds and just to have like a diversification of builds i was kind of that way a little bit this year you know with certain players as they got closer to draft season um you know because even spring training that changes things too you get to see guys you get to see if they're healthy so that changes your thoughts on them but it's nothing like those early drafts when you can really, if you get to do the work before everyone does, or not everyone, obviously everyone does work these days and getting ready to play and no one's just going to jump. You know, there's draft junkies, but no one's doing it just, just to throw money down the drain. Everyone's prepared, but there's nothing like those November drafts when you're just licking your lips at some players like, yeah, I'll take this guy every single day at this pick, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, there's like, that level of there's a, there's that level of uncertainty, right? Where you get them for that value. Um, but I, I think what some people don't understand is that the more that the certainty kind of solidifies, right, their draft price goes up. So you have to be able to take those risks where you want to take them 
early. And draft champions is a good conference to compare it to. And I'm, I'm talking about fantasy football and fantasy baseball podcast, but like you said, no, draft yeah, championships, yeah. Uh, like DCs, right? You want to, you want to, you want to space where you take, where, where you draft in those drafts to be able to get a better portfolio and average draft round of where you're taking these players. Yep. hundred percent. It's uh, definitely a good way to go about it. Um, so you turned the main event qualifier last year into a top 10 team. Now this year, you're up there with some of the, like the biggest guys, you got some NFBC hall of famers up there. So what do you need to take the crown home, man? Like what, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you need to work on? What are the play, like, what are the players that are carrying there? So tell me a little bit about this team that you built. Sure. Yeah. So I have, uh, I have two main event teams. Um, the one that's in the top now, I knew like always had potential, but was kind of lagging behind the other one with Acuna. Um, so that one, that one's in first place in its league, and I'm kind of in a dogfight with the guilds. Um, but that one's kind of fallen off in plate appearances. I think that's kind of one of the downsides of my game is I'm I'm looking at what players can do on a per plate appearance basis. Right. And, and, and not really maximize, maximizing the plate appearances. Um, I also have the approach of uh, my bench usually consists of five or six pitchers and one or two bench hitters. Um, that's just okay. kind of the way I like to approach it. Um, and I've, I've thought about maybe changing that, but that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> um, but I, let's talk about it. Like, I mean, I mean, if you're, you know, you brought it up to so talk. Yeah. Talk about it. Sure. What, what do you? Uh, I, I think it's a good way to start the season. And I think I've heard you talk about this, right? Ben, uh, rostering a lot of pitchers and then kind of getting your core pitchers and, and kind of filtering out the back end, right, with, with hitters. I think that's the way that you approach things. Uh, I don't put words in your mouth, but um, I think that's, I, I need to kind of start to adapt to that. Instead of rostering five pitchers on my bench the whole year, right, establishing that core and, and started to maximize play appearances during the end. Um, but relating back to what you were saying with the top team, the two main offensive categories that I'm working towards is average and stolen bases, uh, which isn't a great combination to get at this point in the year, right? It's mm-hmm. usually one or the other. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why I've just taken the stance that I think I have enough steals on my roster, right? Let's just wait for it to kind of, turn around with for example it's already started to happen with julio rodriguez right um the average wasn't there in the beginning the averages come around and he's still doing his thing with uh, on the bases so um it, I've, I've been slowly making ground it's just we're reaching the point where there's only a few weeks left and i kind of need to expedite that that speed process to kind of get into the the mid 600s and speed and average um that's basically the, the the big thing and then just from the pitching side I have my main core pitchers. My strategy of having a lot of pitchers on the bench has kind of paid off. Um, I'm having hard weekly decisions on who to start, right? Maximizing the two start weeks, grinding up the the, the K leaderboards, and, and trying to maintain the the ERA and whip where they are. I like it. Um, yeah, stone bases and average. That's an interesting combo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you did you anticipate? Were you like? Pre- did you wrongly anticipate how the stolen base environment would be, or you just make like maybe just had some guys that kind of disappointed you with it? Um, 
I, I feel like I did a decent job. Um, I think I think I have like 140 stolen bases at this point, so I, I'm still at a pretty decent threshold in, in terms of uh, in relation to everybody else. Yeah. Um, I think I maybe could have drafted somebody else for speed, but or at least made moves in in season to have bench players that that were prioritizing speed. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want good hitters that won't hurt my average or any, and will contribute in the other three categories. And that's kind of how I approached it. Um, so players like Ezekiel Duran um, added him before he really had a full-time role, knowing that if this works out and he goes on the hot streak, he'll help me with average and, and chip in some steals. So that's just kind of how I've approached it. Will Benson also, he's helped with the steals. So I've added some some key pieces that have helped me on the steals aspect. Um I, I think it, it, it's paying off. I, I used to be lower down in steals, but it's just it's just kind of a grind. Yeah, you probably expected. I see you got Bellinger. I mean, um, Tyler O'Neill. You probably expected at least fifteen from him, yeah. right? You know, like that's a big <laughs> that guy, though. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a big thing. When someone like you're trusting to get that fifteen mark, um, those guys hurt you the most. I feel like, um, like last year, even guys were like like Ben Intendi, right? You you draft them to get some steals and some average, and if he doesn't, if he steals six instead of that fifteen, <laughs> that's going to really yeah. put a dent into what you projected onto your team. You know, kind of steal steal assets, and um, yeah, I mean, definitely. You yeah. even guys like Willie Adams, right? I think I think he has like four steals, right? He had like eight last year. I was like, all right, maybe ten, right? With the, with the new rules, didn't really happen. Um, Eddie Cabrian Hayes when he was on the IL. I mean, he's been great since he's been back, right? Definitely helping the average and, and with some pop, but hasn't really stolen since he's gotten back. So it's just you, sometimes you just can't predict these things, small samples. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You brought up something too, like just about knowing, um, looking at your overall stats and knowing what you need. And obviously the season is winding down. And I think that's something that I fight with constantly. And I think I kind of dif- um, disagree with a lot of the thought was, is I don't disagree with playing your best guys. I, I'm going to play my best guys, but, and I'm going to look to roster guys who are the best, but I think there's this overall feeling that you could just do things later, you know? And I don't agree with that. You know um, I think Gills does a good job of this. He, he, he shoots for, he sees something's lacking and he immediately targets it. And, you know, maybe it'll hinder you elsewhere. Like, obviously, you can't, like, he hit Bubba Thompson last year, those kind of ads. Like, obviously, you need to be good with runs and, and you know, stats like that to be able to roster a guy who's not going to put those across the board. But, like, right now, everyone's trying to do a similar thing. So, if you got two or three guys in your league, too, that also are trying for steals and they're putting a dent into what you could do on the wire in the overall, you know? So, I don't know. And I feel like I maybe fucked up with that myself with not addressing categories earlier than I should have. Um, you know, like knowing early that I, I would not like, I got a team that's 28th overall and it, it, it got as high as 16, but I had no saves. I still have like 90 save points, you know, um, mm-hmm. fucking Ryan Helsley this year. <laughs> the one closer up at the, <laughs> the one guy at the top that like doesn't have 25 saves happens to be him um yeah. but what are you gonna do you know that's um so i just feel like this i wasn't realistic enough with um where i stood with it and when i should have addressed it you know should i have gone um if there was even a, a smidge of a reliever that was available and 
even if I didn't believe in it, I should have probably just been more aggressive with it if I wanted to, you know, try to bump that up a little bit. So I don't know. I I, I just, you're competing with everyone now for the same things. And then this is when people start looking at everyone's rosters and stuff. And I feel like, you know, I don't know. I got to do a better job of, I think, dressing that early. As much as people think that it doesn't matter as early because you could turn it on late, I kind of disagree with it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Sage is different. I think it, I probably will get on you a little bit that you probably should have attacked Sage Sage earlier. That's like the one category where you know if you got it or you don't, right? Yeah. you're right. Because like uh, during the season, like I, I would look at my roster. It's like, yeah, I'm deficient in seals, but I have the players to get me there, right? And and like I've said, I've added a few pieces that have given me some chipping steals that have got me to the point where it's respectable enough to get me in that overall conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's two dimensions of what you're talking about, right? Like attacking categories at the right point, and then it's also just the league specific context, right? Like people are going for the same people. Uh, I talk to um, – so I do fab with uh, Paul Sporer every Sunday. Um, and he's throwing my name out there a couple of times on the on the fan gra- on the sleeper in the bust. Um, and it's just funny because some weeks – so this week I was going for saves in my first main. Um, like Will Smith's kind of out of the job. I mean, we'll see what happens because Chapman's blowing his last couple. But um, that was a team I drafted Helsley, and then I had Ryan Presley as well. So I'm, I'm running with just Ryan Presley right now as the main closer. And Cano and Tanner Scott were available, right? And it's just like these teams just check in, right, in some weeks and kind of take what you need. <laughs> it's oh, like, you had a guy who did that? Yeah, the guy the guy with like 400 fab who doesn't check in, right, and then just picks off Cano and Tanner Scott, right? It's just – so it's just like it, it's it's weird when you're playing these overall contexts um, <sighs> and, and you're thinking about the overall, but then the league just kind of gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely um, – that definitely happened. Like, I know it happened to multiple people that were talking about it in the Discord. Randy Haynes was saying the same thing, and it's it's frustrating, you know, for sure. I mean, it, it it's easy to say it is what it is because it is what it is, but it's also at the same time, you know, which is why, uh, you know, you just got to just check in every week. Just make a move, set your lineup, and – yeah. Then, then that can all go away. Just stay competitive to the end of the year. This guy is just not doing well in the standings either. Just completely shitting it. Yeah, That's I think the one thing that makes me makes me think about for next year is just like, and I know a lot of people have been saying this, but just try to save a little bit more fab. Like I had the most yeah. out of like the top six in the leaderboard, but it's like maybe just have a little bit more so you could just bully that guy that decides to check in every once in a while. And, and accept the risk of throwing out a sixty dollar grid at this point in the year when the backups won because that guy didn't decide to check in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. Yeah, you, you mentioned you said something. Um, you know, like by having the players to get you to a specific, you know, stat. Um, and I feel like that's such a crazy thing about baseball is, you know, you may look at your team and um. I just think we'll have to get that the natural variance of things. Like Toby Baffert Crazy talks about this a lot, like the variance of things and the way things regress. And um, sometimes you you could have a low stolen base total, but like you said, you know you have these guys who maybe have just gotten off to a slow start. And then sometimes you can maybe shift to – I guess this is why maybe people don't do that. It, maybe they don't shift to a specific category too early because they know their team can just shift into it really – real simple, you know, and I think I had that with one mm-hmm. team where I was like really kind of lowish, 
on a stolen basis, but I was just looking at the rest of the season um, projections and just just the overall like what I thought about them. Like this this has to turn around soon, you know, and it did. You know, yeah. it's just sometimes it just happens. You just have to do a good job of, of breaking down your team and seeing and seeing what you got. Yeah. Uh, um. So we got a. Uh, Talk to me about your projections um, system or how you project plays, how you rank plays. I know you say you don't get into projections. So tell me all about that and tell me how you get to evaluating players. Sure. Uh, so it kind of relates to what we were talking about before, just like knowing your team and knowing the skill sets of the players on your team, right? Um, I think projections are valuable if you aren't so in tune with what's going on in baseball and you're trying to learn the skill sets of these players. Right. But if you give me a name of a player, I'll be able to tell you roughly how many home runs and stolen bases I expect out of them. Right. And, and what's their, like, what's, what's the range of what their average is going to be in. Right. I think that's the main value of projections. Um, and I'm just not, not the kind of person that needs that on the side of my draft board, right. To be able to draft a balanced team. I don't need to put names into a spreadsheet and know, okay, this is my projected number of steals. There's multiple faults to that in my opinion, right? It's, it's like if the steal environment changed, right? Who knows if your 75th percentile of steals is even accurate enough, right? It's mm -hmm. just, it's kind of just knowing that balance of, okay, I have these four or five players that I know are going to get me this X amount of steals based off of what I know about them as a player, just from following the sport for it. Um, the way I have the last five or six years, right? So um, I feel like to me at, at this point of, of where I am in terms of following baseball, projections really don't serve a purpose. Um, and I guess that the last point to it is the only players I don't really have a skill, uh, a knowledge on skill set about are the players that are like just coming up. But guess what? The projection systems are the worst at projecting those kind of players too, right? So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've just yeah. reached the point where it's just, it, it doesn't really serve me any value. And I, I, I kind of just have this base knowledge of what the player is going to give me and how it's going to help me with that category balance. And that's funny because you said you're really analytical at work and you could that, I mean, I mean, you don't bring that part of it into it, but um, like, do you have like uh like a, like a, like a specific skill leaderboard that you go with when you're looking at these players? Are you like, are you looking at, specific metric that kind of guide you to toward how these players might do? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't try to focus on like one stat specifically. Um, I, I do look at pitch level metrics. I do look at things like swinging strike rate, right. If you're talking about pitchers, mm -hmm. I do look at place play discipline metrics when it comes to hitters, but I mean, you hear some people on podcasts just talk about like, um, they're, they're swinging strike rate within the zone and out of the zone. It's just like bottom line is if Christopher Morrell, for example, is giving me a 240 average and hitting 25 home runs and X amount of steals, right? I don't care if he's swinging out of the zone this amount and striking out 35% of the time. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know, like I had Christopher Morrell, Christopher Morrell on my second team for using him as the example. I knew that it was a batting average risk, right? But I'll take the pop and the steals, right? I don't mm -hmm. need to look into how, how often he's striking out, right? I understand it, it, where it really affects is the playing time, right? And I, right. I, yeah. I, I knew that going in, and I rostered players to replace him, just like I replaced him the last few weeks. Um, 
but that that's just kind of like all of the formula in my head is if this starts to go wrong and he's on a cold streak, right? Make sure that you have somebody to back him up. Right. So right, you kind of yeah. bank those fifty you bank those fifteen home runs and then when it goes wrong, right, then he served his need. Yeah, like keep him around and just make sure you have a guy, you know, that it's like a surprising Ross, you know, time where he just all right, you know, he's not going to play for this whole scoring period, and you're you're sitting there like, what exactly. the fuck happened? Like, what just happened? <laughs> and yeah, um, exactly, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there's certain things that, um, like you said, like it's just it, it it leans more to playing time than anything. That's where I kind of lean into that. Just try to make sure I just still going to play or have a path to play. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think the I think I've said it from the start. I think O swing is completely overblown um it's like i'd rather know how they swing in the zone because uh like yeah. it, it actually has a like a better correlation to production because guess what that's what when stuff happens when you swing in the zone <laughs> you know like you exactly. know we want to see that you know and i think that's such a, a a big bit there's a couple of people who have covered you know why it's important to take both into effect if you want to look at one you can't you both of them tell the story not just one um yeah, yeah and I, you know how many people faded faded Aaron Judge because he struck out at the 30% rate when he first came up it's like yes <laughs> it's 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 a damage that he's doing within the zone right and obviously he's transcended the superstar I, I mean I didn't predict that either um but I did have him on teams years ago because I knew that when he made contact he made damage and that's what I cared about it's the impact on the ball. Like Jake Berger this year, I was like, I don't care if he's striking out. That's a like great this, example. This he's guy is rocking the ball. Yeah, he's rocking the ball. His, his batted ball metrics were off the charts. You didn't like, and that's when it bypasses everything for me. Like, if you can't hit the ball hard and you and you strike out, yeah, obviously you're dud. But yeah. <laughs> if you're striking out a lot or reaching a lot, but your barrel percentage is eighteen percent and your home run fly ball is twenty five percent guess what you you're gonna work out <laughs> exactly exactly yeah 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 and those are the guys too like a morel where they get sat like well burger obviously won out eventually he just got in the lineup but you know you're just sitting there like come on doesn't matter just let him swing away he's gonna hit a homer yeah. eventually <laughs> uh yeah no that's cool i think yeah i think there's um i try to do a good blend of both i just like the projections get me to a certain spot with the player, but that's just like after I've done my analysis on them, you know, like uh, of, of the skills breakdown and, and everything. I, I like to, because if they both kind of, you know, match up um, in my head, you know, obviously if both things line up, if, if the projections like them and my skill skills analysis of them is, is matching it, then I'm like, okay, well, this is good. You know? And I think, yeah, I don't think um, I don't get too, like crazy with the numbers like oh i drafted 164 steals you know i, I just feel like i get to a point where like okay i'm in a good spot with these drafted players so um with a little bit of help maybe on the wire or if these guys take off any one of them i should be good you know um i think that's the important thing just to know your range is not to get you know too too crazy and too too on point you know because i think we can try but you know it's, it's proven that we we can't get much better than what we yeah. do right now. <laughs> I, th I think knowing the range is, is, is the best thing that you said there. Right? It's like, that's the same reason that I had that argument about projections, right? If, if you know players ranges, that's really what matters. 
I don't care if a projection system spits out 15 home runs, right? I know the range in my head in terms of what's the upside and downside of this player. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, tell me about your, like the auctions, the difference between auctions and, and snake drafts, what you like about the auctions better. Do you prefer the auction more than a snake draft? And like, you know, how does your player builds or the roster construction differ when you do one or the other? Yeah, I, I definitely like the auction better. And, and for all the main reasons, right, it's like if I want a player, I can get them. Um, but I think in in the fantasy baseball kind of context and, and how I do my snake drafts tr- too, it's just the snake drafts are less flexible. But I usually like to get like one top pitcher, right, in the first two or three rounds and then kind of build it in with middle-tier players and – in the first couple months of the season, evaluate if this pitch is going to stick or not, right, and, and try to replenish. Um, I, that, that's how most of my main teams have – and when I say main, just like high-money teams, not main event teams, how they've kind of worked out. Um, like I explained to you on that online auction team, right, it was just filling out that middle tier. Even this year, I love that middle tier. Give me all the Pablo Lopez's, the Charlie Morton's, the Jesus oh, yeah. Lardos, the Giolitos, right? I just wanted to live in that tier. And if, and if you're in a snake draft setting, you can only get one, maybe two max in that tier, right? So um, I definitely prefer the auction because it's just it's just that flexibility. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that, that section of it is so nice. Um, and you can, you know, like you said, you can get, you can start off with a Strider or a Cole and then hit those guys, or you can drop down a level with like a Scherzer and a Wheeler and hit those guys. And yeah. like either way, either way you attack it, I feel like you can't go wrong. Um, yeah, I, I love that part of the draft. I had so many, um, who is it? Like, uh, like the, like the E of all these two, right? Um, yeah. Barrios, Okidi. I mean, I was, I had a lot of Luis Garcia on Houston. That kind of crushed me. But all those guys, like, they were all in a similar ADP. And like you said, you, you know, it comes in a draft. And, and that's why, again, draft champions, I was trying to take one each that I liked in every draft. Because it's better than <laughs> ending up with, you know, I love Sonny Gray. And, I, you know, I think at one point, the draft champion, like, I, I, yeah, there's another one. I picked two, 220 that was just so solid. Um, and – at some point, another guy. I I have to pump the brakes on this. I have to pivot to another guy. But yeah, that area was so nice. And even too before main event came in draft season, like you had your Drew Asmussen's and Jeffrey Springs. Those guys were actually in, you know, right right before those um, guys. But yeah. still, still a beautiful area for pitching. Yeah, and I think that's that's the good thing that I like to do is. You know, if you get that one anchor and then one of those or two of those guys become an anchor, like a Pablo Lopez, you know, getting him where he was and then or or any of all the plus having a Cole or Strider, it just makes your staff just really, you know, light years yeah. ahead. So, yeah, I think, so you, that mid, I think okay. attacking that middle tier with volume is like is the key. Right. And it talked about that first that 2020 main event. Right. Just. Sandy Alcantara is my third pitcher in the fucking ninth round. <laughs> I don't know if this was a curse or not, but no, yeah, no, um, you can curse. Right in, in in the ninth round, right? It's just like I don't know if that had like a lasting effect on me or or what, but it's like I just want to hammer this tier 
take chance. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? But I want as many as many pieces there as possible and just build around the strong offense I built in the first seven out of eight rounds, right? So. No, I think what you said to it, like, did it have a lasting effect on me? And it did, like, and it does because I, I feel, I feel that when you can easily, and Steve Weimer wrote a great article about this on Baseball HQ. He, he got into it. Before you say, I'm good at drafting mid round pitchers, like, make sure that's the case. Don't just, have this one year bias where you nailed it, you know, did you do it in the other years? And I I feel like such a big thing to reflect on because that's a one thing I did this year was I kind of looked back to my teams and figured out, all right, what, what went right? Is it because I did this? Is it because I drafted two catchers that got a thousand plate appearances? What was it? You know, and don't just think um, that it's the case because you, you know, that's like a theory you have. Just look back at it. It doesn't take too long to figure it out. Um, and to t- how do you feel like you have a good eye for those pitches in that range too? You kind of identify who they are and it's kind of, and that's a big thing about playing fantasy, right? Is knowing, knowing what your strengths are too. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause it also like that, that too early DC you guys are doing right. And some of the comments were, oh, these first couple of pitchers go, and then it kind of feels like they're all the same, right? And, like, I've kind of felt that from the beginning, right? So I have, like, Giolito on every single one of my teams. Yeah, it's kind of worked out. It's been a, it's been a little rocky, but bottom line, he's going to get me 200 strikeouts, right? And in a different world, he would have had the 3-3, 3-4 ERA, right, and been similar to those kind of pitchers. If you look at Spencer Strider, right, he's at, like, a 3-7 ERA, right? Obviously, his level of strikeouts is different. That's what kind of separates him. But um, it's really just like identifying the skills, identifying who can get me the strikeouts and really relying on the variance of VRA and whip, right? To try to just, I'll take the eight round discount to grab a Giolito in the ninth or 10th round, right? And kind of just bet on that upside. That's just kind of how I view things. I, I really think starting pitching kind of flattens out more than people think um, in general. Freddie Peralta yeah. too, right? Eight, eighth round Freddie Peralta, right? <laughs> like, it, it was, what, a year, two years ago where he was going in the third round after the breakout season? 100%. Like, why, why, should, why should he be going in the eighth round but someone like um, a Blake Snell or a Manoa, right, be going in or going earlier? That's just kind of how I view things. No, that's – I think that's – I think that's a very cool way to look at it. And and you're right about Giolito. Um, he, he's going to be very close to that 200 strikeout range, if not there, and – yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know what world you wouldn't take two hundred Ks, you know, yeah. on your team. I think, he, I think, I think he definitely would have got there if it wasn't tracing the Angels on the six man location uh, rotation. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was this, part of the problem. Hundred percent. That's some impact on you as a human too. You go to a new team, and now he's going to a new team. I mean, that's yeah. You know, the expectation. The expectancy of, of of what he should be able to do is definitely get dialed down a little bit. But you know, I think there definitely is um kind of like a like a little flattening, and then there's just you know, uh, you know, there's not going to be too much difference in those picks. Maybe if they are, you know, that's when you get that's when you have a better season. But all the all the guys that went in the the fifty to seventy range, 
maybe gals may not perform them, obviously, but you still got like the gallons, the Castillos, and you know, Wheelers. Uh, they, you know, they they've done similarly all of them. You know, um, Valdez. Um, you just got to find, you know, the, those guys just keep you, give you a good padding, right, in innings and Ks and good ratios, and then just that those next level guys. Because um, like, how many people, you know. Uh, went all in, you know, during the main event season on, on bumping up G, um, bumping up Detmers, right, and bumping up Springs. And Springs obviously was an ace before he went down, but um, mm. just the Detmers thing too. That was wild. Like I just remember getting to Vegas and he's hitting ninety eight, and all of a sudden he's in the, you know, he was ninetieth pick. I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I was kind of, I was kind of in on it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, take, too, but I, not that. Yeah, I didn't take him in a snake draft. Like I got him in my uh, auction championship team for like twelve blocks or something. But uh, but yeah, um, he I, was going I, in the main, just, like, in the big, in the big auction for like nineteen twenty. You know, I yeah. was like, this is nuts. You know, yeah. that's that's crazy. That's what Galsman's going for twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just those are the guys that I typically fade, right? And I'll take the same guys in the tier that are going for ten bucks less or whatever. Yes, yep. That's why I'll try to. Um, I'm gonna do some more um, auction content this this off season. I know. Um, I talked to Mark Winoka about it, and um, he, he he's really good at the auctions, and he's you know he said there's just like a lack of auction stuff out there, and I definitely want to. I want to maybe have like a whole series of auction stuff, you know, get a whole bunch of people on talking about auctions. Cause I think it definitely sure. should be out there more, you know, and I think it'll attract more people maybe to get involved with them because it's such a great, it's such a great, great format to play, especially a live one, yeah. man. You got to do a live one this year. I know. Yeah. That's one thing I haven't, I haven't made it up to Arizona for first pitch. I haven't made it up to Vegas. I, I definitely want to go. Uh, maybe I'll do first pitch this year. We'll see. Yeah. Either either one. I mean, if you want to get involved with like the draft, definitely you know, Vegas is fun. You, you know, plus plus just meeting everyone. And I think there's a different level of um, how you feel about people. You know, when you get out there yeah. and you draft with them, and also the way you interact with them right afterwards, it's just it's, just, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a different experience for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. I that's the one thing I love about the community. It's just really. There's the there's a couple of people who who just don't don't want to be relatable, but <laughs> with the ex <laughs> the exception of those people, it's uh it's a really good world out there, you know. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I went to I went to one live draft which is in New York. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, which I did. actually met. Yeah, yeah. I remember so that. It's just it's funny, right? It's like you interact with just a few people in this small New York event. It's nothing compared to Vegas, right? And it's just nothing. These, these connections are made. Yeah, met Mike, met Mike Mazzato for the first time. That was an interesting experience. That was obviously finished <laughs> the, finished higher than him in the standings. <laughs> uh, I like to bust his balls. I still text me once in a while. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh he's a good sport about it, you know. Um, and I think I think um, I think when you meet Mike, you you see the difference of 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 him versus the, and that's the biggest thing about meeting people, that's, you know, like yeah. I met Gild and I talked to Gild and he he's he's Gild is great, you know. People just think yeah. he's this big bag of shit because the way he acts on Twitter, but it's like exactly. 
Twitter is not real world, like Dave Chappelle said. Twitter is not the real world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as yeah, simple as true. that. So to tell me, like, what's your most important thing in season management for you? Like, what's your routine? Like, what are you looking at? What do you stay on top of? What's the most important thing to stay successful? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm always conscious of my fad budget. I mean, I'm not somebody that's like, I won't spend X amount uh, in a certain week, right? It, if if I if I view my set lineup page right and I think I have a need and somebody happens to come up right, I'll make the evaluation in terms of okay, it, it's worth this amount and, and that's what I need to do. Um, but it's it's really just it, it comes down to every week right, getting to the computer, looking at your team, looking at the standings, and what do I need right. And it's not just looking at the number on the standings page, like, oh, I'm, I'm down in stolen bases, right? It's also taking in that factor of your team being, okay, am, am I in a good spot with stolen bases, right? Or do I really need a piece um, if there's one out there to, to kind of help it? Um, and then the other thing is just, I, I'm, I'm really not a big streaming guy, um, both on the hitter or pitcher side. With, with, with my pitching strategy, I usually have seven starters that I'm comfortable with. Okay. Um, so I'm usually not going to go for the Javier side. Like I know that worked out and I was kind of pro <laughs> doing it. <laughs> I was kind of pro doing it based off the matchups and stuff, but I just didn't have it a need on my team. Um, but I, I'm, I'm usually not chasing those kind of guys. And I'm, and I'm usually not looking at the weekly hitter stream. Just it, uh, on a week to week basis, sometimes I'm looking for the best matchups weekly, but it's, it's usually more longer term plays. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a um, that's a good play because I I think um, sometimes I'll get too caught up on the week to week. I do a good job of looking at both, but sometimes I'll play too much week to week. And uh, I I because I remember like the week Morel came out, I, I was like, I didn't need a middle infielder, and I was I was doing a good like my outfielders were pretty solid. I just didn't put too much stock into what he could do for me as a whole. But I was like, oh, I just need other spots, so I'll fill those, and I even make a competitive bid for him, you know. And um, kind of regret that a little bit because he did have, a, you know, he he's had a great season. He he's, he's given you great stats, you know. But uh, it's tough. It's tough to try to manage both. But I think that's a good style to have. At least just always looking for the rest of the season. And I think that's obviously easier for a lot of other people to do with the percentage wise, you know, when they just go see in the free agency and you get, you got the guys in 90% and, and, and those people will look at it. Anyone who's more casual about it will be like, Oh, this guy's available. He must be good. You know, I'll take him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my favorite thing is like getting the guy for a couple of dollars and then like the next week or two, he's going for like a hundred. Right. So, yeah, that's just kind of happened with Morel. I mean, Ezekiel Duran, for example, wasn't as extreme as Morel, but I mean, I got it for like three bucks. The next couple of weeks, he was going for like 50, 60, right? So I, I, it was just identifying those guys that will can help my team if they get the playing time, right? Or if they get called up and just having them kind of stashed away. Um, I mean, and, and that kind of takes my mind to like another place, right? In terms of stashing. Um, mm, yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of NFBC content, like a lot of people are so scared to have a stash on their bench, right? And not somebody they can filter in. Yeah, seven bench spots without an IL isn't that much. But it, it, if you establish a strong pitching staff that you don't really have to worry about um, 
having guys to stream in for certain weeks. You have your, your, your core staff, right? Having the ability to just have some IL stashes, with it, whether it's on the pitching or hitting side, I think gives your team the most upside for an overall run. Um, like I took Rodon in my main, I think it was like towards his max pick. I, I wasn't really looking to do it. People will say it's a bad pick, but I mean, if I took glass now, there people would be celebrating me for it. Um, mm, so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like it, it, it's just people just focus in on these injury risks or these IL stashes, right? Meanwhile, they do have value on your bench, um, and and it really gives your team the upside if we're able to kind of withstand the time that they're out to kind of to kind of make that run. I like that line of thinking. Also, too, you know, you could definitely see just from your fab results in your leagues whether that person, um, like whether what what's what's been going on fab, what's available in your free agent pool, because you'll know instantly whether or not anyone that you're going to try to replace that person with, if you do dump them, are they going to be even good? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you can have a yeah. really competitive league, and the guy you're going to add is just going to be a guy who's going to turn over. Um, uh, and like, even too, like trying to get the stash ahead on the free agency. If, if they're out there, like I, I know Nella was a comeback for a while, but I, I, I wanted to get in on him as early as I could. You know, I did it. Yeah. I did it, you know, two weeks ago and it is, you know, I had, I, and I had Albies just going on the IL. So I was like, this, this could be tricky to try to manage both. But in the long run, I was thinking in my head, like, I'd rather put him in my lineup in the month of September, then, you know, have uh, DJ LeMahieu there. But DJ LeMahieu's doing good. That's not that's nothing on DJ LeMahieu. I probably said the wrong first baseman because he's on fire right now. But somebody else, you know. <laughs> you I know, mean, like, as, as you get towards the end of the season, it definitely gets harder to manage those stashes. And it, yeah. it reaches the point of diminishing return. But I think early on in the season, teams are just too scared to roster these players or even draft them at the end of their drafts. And it's just – I just don't understand it. Um but that's just kind of my input. Especially like you, you know, how much roster gets turned over on the reg, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to happen naturally. Why not take a shot with someone who's ultra talented? Like, like you said, like a Rodon or glass now, um, cause those guys, they could obviously, you know, be super league winners. They can also kill you, but those are the risks you got to take, you know? You got to take exactly. some time. I mean, I've, I've had Rodon on my roster the whole year. I'm still doing well in here and I'm still towards the top in strikeouts, right? I've been able to make it work. Right. right? So just kind of trust your ability to find other pitchers, right? And if that wild card hits, I mean, that's that's that upside to kind of shoot you up. I love it. Yeah, that's great. So you said to um, not afraid to go out and get and get a free agent if you want them, right? Um so, like, what are you looking at right now? What do you got rest of the season in your fab leagues? How much money? Um, yeah, so in, in one of my mains, I have, like, 60 left, which is towards the top. Um, wow. And then the one that's in sixth overall, I have $20 left. So I I lost Felix Batista, so I spent up for Tanner Scott. Um, so I spent 29 on him, and then I took a shot on Austin um, – not Austin Meadows – What's his name? What <laughs> was the new Meadows? Episode? Parker. <laughs> uh, Parker. Parker. <laughs> Parker Meadows, right? So you can't, this is this is the bill for needing average and speed, right? I think it's somebody that could help me definitely in speed. So I, I spent like 17 or 18 on him. So I'm up with $20 for the rest of the season. Um, 
But I mean, the backup bids for those, like those, that was the week where the, the owners that are out of it kind of checked out, right? It wasn't big of a backup, but I mean, those are the needs that I needed and kind of comfortable with $20 rest of the way. Yeah, man, I can't believe it's September already. And like, we're, we're at this phase of baseball. It went by so quick. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And this is, um, I feel like, it's, there's some days where I'm just like, okay, if the season just ended, <laughs> you know, like I'll take it right now. I'll just end it now. I'm okay with it. Because like, uh, I think one, one, one small injury or like a, a combination like today, it's just, it's Solaire and it's Lane Thomas. And I'm like, I can't deal with it. Like not now yeah. guys, you know, like <laughs> yeah. this is the worst I mean, time. I mean- <laughs> I mean, in my main, I try. I dropped Felix Batista and I dropped JD Martinez. Like, I don't know when Martinez is gonna be back. It's like, oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it sucks when it happens. Um, but I, to be honest, I kind of feel the opposite because I have this team that's in that stretch, right? It's like I'm I'm actually like watching every game. Like I'm I'm really following it, but we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, it's uh, a good luck down but it's the like, rest I, of the I kinda, way, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, so spending 19 on Parker Meadows. So now Dominguez is up, Ortega is up. It's like, I, I still, I'm still in a decent spot fab with 20 left, believe it or not. I mean, uh, it's in, in the top six of the standing, it's me at 20, then three, 13, zero, seven, and four. So it's like, if those teams in the bottom decide to check in, I won't get those guys. But if I want those guys <laughs> for next week, I can get them. <laughs> I know it's so, going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting little fab run here with all these uh, Nook rookies. You got Beatty coming yeah. back into the fold, right? You got Mauricio yeah. Um, yeah. and even guys like Rafaela and Canario. Um, it's just, I mean, you know, you know, you know, Dominguez is, is, is going to be so juicy for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I just feel like that's something that might be. I don't know. It could be like bad process, but like I'm going to draft, you know, I'm going to pick up this 20 year old with, you know, 90% of what I have left. And, but if he goes off, people are going to be like, ah, you know, I told you so. It's he, he could be one of those players. I don't, I, I have no idea what to feel about that whole thing so far. Like the, well, that's the thing, right? So it's like, this <laughs> mean that I need speed, right? I think speed's the only thing you can really count on. I can see like two ten and like six stolen bases in September. Right. Like I'll take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that. So it's just, of course, the guy that's the most hyped is probably the guy I need most of my team. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And I think you touched on a good point there too. You, you get a young kid who maybe not getting on base as much. He probably is going to want to show what his legs are about when he's on that. You know, that's a yeah. Harajo would probably be doing the same thing if he could get on base. Um, <laughs> and then and then what's with the Yankees? They're not even playing him. Like I don't even what is right because he didn't start the last two. No, he started two of the last four. What are they doing? Yeah, I actually had him stash on this on this top main. Um, and then when he came up for that short stint and did nothing and something like that, I was like, I'm I'm, I'm done with him. I don't think he could hit yet at this level. So I haven't entertained it since, but I have actually yeah. a prayer on one main and he's striking out every other at bat. So <laughs> I got to shed him off at some point. I know he was an, he was a guy in fab. I was like, the hard hit stuff was really looked juicy, you know, and he, 
obviously looked like the, he can put him out, but he, I just could, tried to watch a couple of his at bats too, and it just didn't look like he belonged um, with the swing decisions. But then he just lay into like a foul ball or something that was rocked. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> boy, he could definitely hit, you know. But and, and he could be such a home run pick if he um, if he could just make a little bit more contact. It, again, they're asking. Uh, not everyone's different when they come up, you know. Um, and there's some guys that come up and can and can instantly just have it or find it, you know, like Matt, like Matt McClain. Obviously, these kids are a little younger, but the Yankees too are just a mess. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm really shocked that they're calling up Dominguez actually. I, I just hope, um, their desire to probably try to keep this the seats sold out is, is, is gonna be more beneficial than possibly stunting his growth if if you know i don't know but this seems yeah. to be the new trend right just getting those guys 100 plate appearances 100 at bat keep them on that 130 threshold see what they got for next year also gives the team the ability to do we need to bring in this you know two outfielders to compete with this job or one you know is this is, is this kid going to give us a shot to start from the beginning and i i guess I like how the incentives are there for them to bring up the kids earlier. It seems like there a lot of the teams are on board with it. And I think just the game, it makes the game more exciting. It, it prevents teams from keeping, you know, 34 year old retreads out of the league. But even though Greg Allen keeps popping up every now and then, <laughs> he's the guy who gets signed by a team. I'm like, who is he going to take time from now? You know, he, he always <laughs> ready to just snipe, snipe a guy worth of PT. The, come on, <laughs> don't do that to me. He, he did it with the Yankees. He came up and they started to sit Jake Bowers. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Jake Bowers got a 20% battle rate. He's smoking the ball. <laughs> Greg <laughs> Allen. <laughs> oh, God. It's so, yeah. it's so I, mean, I don't want to get into too much of that talk, but I, mean, I think what the Yankees and now the Mets are doing makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. And I, I didn't understand any of the blowback to the Angels kind of like waving those players. I think it was kind of smart. I mean, yeah. They they went for it at the deadline. It didn't work out, right? What's the value of these players, right? Drop them to the waivers and save that money. I, I don't see any problem with it. I mean, there's too many people that, like, criticize these teams about money, but it's like if you're not going to have a waiver trade deadline, right, then, then shock the system and, and just cut them. Playing by the rules. Yeah, exactly. It. exactly. It's, just, it's just the rules, and they're playing by them. And – also, too, the criticism of going all in is a little, I think, too much because they did the best with what they had and they wanted to give Otani and Trout a shot. We didn't know Trout was going to break his hand and then come back and can't play. You didn't know Crone was yeah. going to have a, 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 a lumbar issue that's possibly degenerative. You didn't know that Gritchig was going to have a, a fucking 110 Babip in the last 30 days. <laughs> um, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not exactly. like. It, it, and then and then Otani couldn't pitch you know you put those things together and, and even you get three or four of those things right it's it doesn't yeah, work Jello out like got the, like hit in the face hell, yes yes up. that too <laughs> that too all those things so all those but things. they did every they did everything that baseball fans wanted them to do which was go for the deadline they clearly did that right it didn't work and then these same people have problems with them releasing them it's it didn't work. They're not going to make the playoffs. Why would they keep the salary on their team, right, when these players are going to get claimed? I think it was a smart move. I'm up – let's just say I'm up 20 saves in my league and I drop Emmanuel Class A. If I don't need him, right, I mean – Exactly. 
exactly. That's the rules. I could drop this he's, player. He's wasting doing... a roster spot, right? Yeah. Roster spot's money. Oh, well, you're, you're causing this guy to move up, and he's going to pass me in the standing. It's like the same line of thinking. <laughs> well, it is what it is, exactly. man. It's like, you know, they're not doing anything <laughs> illegal. They're not doing anything shady. Um, and first of all, too, it's not like 94. Fucking five people happen. It's just three guys, like four guys, and then three in the rest of the league, like Carrasco, Bader, and that's it. Or the yeah. another person. Uh, I, uh, Clevenger, right? Oh, Clevenger, Clevenger yeah, yeah, Clevenger. It's like, will this start a trend? I don't know. Like, that's up to baseball. Yeah, to maybe, maybe, maybe now, like the the waiver claim system will get questioned, right. right? I mean, the fact that the Guardians were able to claim all those players without it kind of resetting. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of weird. Like maybe that'll start to be a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how can you have the first priority on all these guys, right? If you claim somebody, shouldn't they kind of go back the to the line? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. what I was shocked at when I found that out when they released them all. I think someone clarified that in some some tweet. I was like, really? That is nuts because yeah, that's that's a lot, and I feel. Um, but also too, like the Brave fans who are complaining that they won't be able to pick up Randall Kritchuk. I mean, give me a fucking break. He won't play on your team anyway. <laughs> stop. Just stop. <laughs> okay? Just stop. <laughs> you got Strider and Acuna. Who else do you need? <laughs> you know? It's just so crazy. Um, you got Kevin Pillar. He's good enough. I think he plays better defense. Kevin Pillar is a great, like, <laughs> he's a great bench outfielder. I I, I love that. He's, he's such a glue guy for a team. He's Guy got hit in the face and he was ready to play the next day. Uh, and that oh, was yeah. one of the most gruesome hits in the face. I just remember seeing his that blood and I was like, "Fuck, that looks terrible." And that yeah. dude was like, I mean, he, I did mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he did the yeah, press I mean, conference. Yeah, he did the press conference. I love this guy. <laughs> I love him. I know, I know, I know. Good for him though, I mean, he's gonna have a job for for a long time, man. Um, all right, so. We're gonna close this out by you giving me a batter and a pitcher that you think will be uh like a, a sneaky b- breakout pick when early DC start up again. So, um, oh, yeah, man, give it to me. <laughs> what do you got? I know you sent me these notes, but I didn't prepare for this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, you just take wanna... a guess. Who do you like? <laughs> I mean, it's not sleeper anymore, but I'll I'll flaunt it. I have Cole Reagan's. Reagan's on every single one of my teams. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. So I'm ha- I'm happy about that, but he's definitely not a sleeper pitcher. Um, I wonder where he's gonna land. Like, I wonder where he's gonna go in the once we pick up this draft again. I mean, I'm sure he's gonna. I mean, he's. I have my next ten up, and he's on it. So everyone listening in my league, if you want him, you're gonna have to grab him soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Take it for what you want. I probably will not have Cole Reagan on any team next year. Um, two Tommy time John surgeries, and he's throwing 99 all of a sudden. I, I know. That, yeah. <laughs> I just hope he makes it through September. I probably won't have him anywhere next year. Um, trying to think of a hitter. Uh, so one thing that kind of goes back to my theme, and he's not available everywhere, but – and it's, it's a household name. So he's available on 59% of mains, but Jared Kelnick, and this goes back to like my whole stashing theme, right? The, the Mariners are, are hot, right? He's obviously a very skilled player. Hopefully the whole incident of him kicking, whatever he kicked, or breaking <laughs> his foot, like kind of matured him a little bit, but I kind of want that upside on my bench, like ready to go. And it seems like he's 
he's going on rehab soon if he hasn't already. So, I mean, that, that's definitely a hitter that I want on my roster for, like, the stretch run if you're looking for some speed. And who knows, if he gets hot, he'll, he'll contribute on average. Yeah, interesting. I wonder how um... – what was that number you said? He's fifty-seven percent owned. Fifty-nine, yeah. Fifty-nine, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna it's definitely gonna be a, he. Yeah, he just started rehab um, today, so I'm surprised it's not higher already. I guess people again are like you mentioned, are just a little bit afraid to stash right now and and pick a roster spot that's not going to what they need going down the stretch, but. Yeah, he's gonna be um he's gonna be pretty popular this week because once this news breaks out, that means uh, uh, immediately people thinking, all right, I could use him next week possibly, you know. So that's that's yeah. that's gonna be huge. I mean, it's a valuable skill set, right? And yeah, he's got flaws, but I mean, we're playing for a month, right? So if he hits that hot streak, I mean, it's gonna be very valuable. That's so true. Um, that's a great way to look at it because he's he's had amazing months, and he just needs that. He just needs one good month. Exactly. You don't need 200 good plate appearances. You just need 100 amazing ones right now. And exactly. Especially if you need speed. And it's kind of guy, too. Again, we're talking about guys if if they don't get on as much and the team is in a playoff race and um, just trying to get on there and make something happen. So that's, uh, that's a good call. I like that one. I, I like that. I think, I think it's kind of underrated just to kind of close it out, right? It's like I want I want my fantasy players to be on teams that are kind of in the hunt. Um, yeah, like I, I just feel like there's something about that, whether it's just a pitcher getting starts or a hitter getting at bats, right? If teams are in the hunt, they want the best players to play, right? And and I feel like players just kind of feed off each other when they're when they're in the playoff race. So I mean, that's definitely something that I, I try to. Uh, I mean, you you can only control it so much, but I hope that my players on my teams are in playoff races and, and kind of playing for something. I think that 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 human element of it that we can't quantify is is so big. It's there definitely is something to that. It, it it's not easy playing on a shit team with, you know, the losses piling up, and you know, obviously you could have self motivation, but there's nothing like self motivation plus team motivation because you're just gonna be the best version of yourself that way. You know, and like you yeah, said, exactly. everyone feeding off each other. Um, I wonder too if if. if because things are getting real heated down the stretch. I wonder if they do pick their spots with Kelnick. Because I know, like, you know, he was definitely sitting versus lefty, you know, when he was struggling. When he was hot, he was in. So now with Canzone and, and Marlowe, I guess Marlowe is just going to be shipped back out because Canzone's playing versus lefties now. Um, the last two lefties he started against. So I wonder how they handle him and Marlowe. And, and Dylan Moore is just a stud when he plays, right? The guy's just. <laughs> I want I want more Dylan Moore, man. He just but I thought that zone like not doing that great. I mean, I just I just think I mean Kelnick will probably be in a platoon, maybe some lefties, but I mean, yeah, those guys are going getting kicked to the curb. And obviously, like you mentioned, if he goes on a hot streak, he's definitely going to be in there all the exactly. time because he's because he's Kelnick. And I hope he learned a lesson from kicking a stupid cooler. <laughs> unbelievable. It's like all the things that he like worked on in the off season, it's just went down the drain in one moment, you know, exactly He's trying to control his thoughts and his, his anxiety on the field and his swing logging his swings and just go back and log it instead of kicking a cooler. Oh, <laughs> so, so it was just like, so anti everything you, you said you were working on and, and you just went backwards in one spot, but 
Yeah, cool, man. <laughs> I enjoyed this chat, man. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to get your voice out there, and um, you know, we definitely hope to see you at the live drafts this year. Either actually, yeah, it's probably going to be no New York, so just 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 Vegas. But um, yeah, man, it was it was good to get to know you and get to inside your brain a little bit. Like I said, I think everyone sees your name up there from time to time, so it's uh, it's cool to get a voice to the to the man, you know. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. You got anything you want to talk about before we leave? You want to say anything, or is it, that's it? You good? No, that, that's really it. Um, awesome, man. I don't even know my Twitter is. I have nothing to really promote. I'm not a big social media guy, but I think it's like Greg five seven nine six. But uh, maybe yeah. I'll start tweeting some more, putting some fantasy content out there. I've, I've talked about it with like Paul, for example. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think if you know you you have a. Like you've mentioned, a lot of things that are against the grain thinking. So you you would immediately, uh, well, I don't know. You're probably gonna get the wrong people coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, you block me. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one person blocked you. Yeah, I, I won't name names, but I mean, he goes by I, doctor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I've seen you comment on things. You don't really come across as aggressive or anything like that. Um, you're pretty civil when you yeah. when you comment. <laughs> I've seen people be aggressive. You you don't seem aggressive. Uh, you don't seem um, mute worthy or block worthy. But hey, teach their own, man. Uh, cool. All right, Greg. Good. Good chat with you, man. And good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, man. Peace.